Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Today's story is The Snow Queen, as told by Nanny Piggins. Here we go. It was Saturday morning at the local library, and Nanny Piggins was sitting in front of a group of young children who were waiting impatiently to hear her tell them a story. Nanny Piggins had not set out from the house intending to do this, but she was being forced to take over the library's story time because the junior librarian, who usually read to the children, had gone home crying. And Nanny Piggins had been the one to upset her. To be fair, Nanny Piggins had been upset herself. She had come to the library to get some scandalously good romance novels and nail-biting crime fiction – and also to see if they'd acquired any new cake cookbooks. She'd already memorised all the ones the library had. And this is where things went terribly wrong. Nanny Piggins was scanning through the shelves when she noticed a new cookbook. A hundred and one ways to cook pork. Nanny Piggins was scandalised. She had taken the offensive literature to the circulation desk and demanded its immediate destruction on the grounds that such a cookbook was piggist and encouraged hate crime. She had said this with such passionate vehemence that the young librarian, fresh from librarian school, had become frightened and fled. The head librarian had a long history with Nanny Piggins and was not so easily intimidated. She had threatened to call the police and have Nanny Piggins arrested for verbal abuse. Nanny Piggins had counted that if she was going to be arrested for verbal abuse anyway, she had many more things that she'd like to say. The librarian countered her counter by threatening that if Nanny Piggins said anything else rude, she would ban her, Boris and the children, from ever entering the library again. What, even the alcove by the front door, asked Nanny Piggins. Especially the alcove by the front door, said the head librarian. This alcove was important to Nanny Piggins because it's where they sought shelter if they were ever caught in the rain on the way home from the shops. Very well, Nanny Piggins conceded begrudgingly. I will accept my punishment. What is it? You have to read a story to the children, said the head librarian. Ugh, said Nanny Piggins. Do I have to read one? Can't I just make one up? If she does, said Boris, it'll be a thousand times better than anything written in a book. Fine, said the librarian. As long as you get all the children to sit in the far corner of the library, we'll have my cup of tea in peace. I don't care what you do with them. And that is how Nanny Piggins came to be sitting in front of this group. She didn't want to be there. There was cake to be cooked at home. The children didn't want to be there. They'd much rather be at home watching TV or playing in mud. But this was an implacable group of children whose parents dragged them to the library once a week because it was free and they hoped that their child would become smarter just by being in a room with lots of books. 
Well, what story do you want to hear then? asked Annie Piggins, for she was a circus pig, so she knew it was important to cater to the crowd. If they had a preference for terrifying ghost stories or disgusting medical dramas, she would be prepared to oblige. Tell us Frozen, said a little girl at the front. Tell you what? asked Nanny Piggins. Frozen is a movie, Samantha explained, based on a Danish folktale, The Snow Queen. Oh, said Nanny Piggins, I know that story. It's a load of old tosh. The little girl in the front row looked like she might start crying. I know what really happened all those years ago in Denmark, said Nanny Piggins. Was one of your relatives there? asked Michael. Yes, actually, said Nanny Piggins. The whole story was based on my cousin, Annabelle. What a coincidence, said Derek. It's not coincidence, said Nanny Piggins. When you're as fabulous as the entire Piggins family, people are bound to write about you. Anyway, it all started with my cousin Annabelle when she was very young. She was friends with a boy who lived next door. His name was Peter. You should explain to these children, said Derek, that Annabelle was a pig. Why? asked Nanny Piggins. Well, all the kids here will be used to fairy tales where the characters are people, explained Derek. Really, said Nanny Piggins. Even the brave and heroic characters. Yes, said Derek. I'm amazed they're able to suspend their disbelief, said Nanny Piggins. But anyway, for those who can't figure these things out for themselves, Annabelle was a dear sweet pig. Peter was not, but Annabelle didn't hold that against him. He was a nice boy. It wasn't his fault he was human and therefore shamefully inadequate at eating his whole body weight in cake. In every other respect, he was nice and jolly good fun to play with, and they got on tremendously well. But this was the olden story days, which means things were very strange. So brace yourselves for a plot twist, because there was also an evil troll king. I thought trolls were nice, said the little girl. She was thinking of her movie again. Not this one, said Nanny Piggins. He was so diabolically wicked. He would wake up every morning and spend all day trying to think of the nastiest possible thing to do. And he was good at it. He had really creative ideas. One day he had the idea of making a beautiful big lollipop. But anyone who looked at the lollipop would so desperately want to lick it that they would become dreadful people instantly. They would do whatever selfish, mean thing they could think of just to get one lick. The troll thought this was the funniest thing ever. He would travel around with this giant, beautiful lollipop, making otherwise civilised people turn into greedy monsters. He did it to regular people in the street. He did it to school teachers in front of their classes. He did it to prime ministers and kings and queens. But of course, being evil, the troll king took it too far. He got the Secretary General of the United Nations to declare war on everyone in the entire world, unless they let her have first lick of this lollipop. This made the Troll King laugh so hard that the lollipop fell out of his hands and shattered into a million tiny microscopic pieces. A powerful gust of wind blew up and these tiny pieces of lollipop spread everywhere around the world on the wind, getting into people's hearts, through their ears and their eyeballs and their noses and their mouths and turning them into greedy lolly guzzlers, ruining their own lives and the lives of people around them. It was dreadful. 
And that is what happened to sweet little Peter. He was playing outside with Annabelle in the yard when the wind blew up. And ow! He got something in his eye. Annabelle went over to help, but it was a tiny shard of the evil lollipop. And now that it was in his eye, it made him see the world differently. Anything that wasn't a lollipop seemed stupid to him. So he pushed Annabelle to the ground and walked off. Annabelle was devastated. She ran after Peter to see what was wrong. But the shard of lollipop had quickly travelled from his eye into his bloodstream and down into his heart. Now his heart was only interested in lollipops. He ignored her cries and ran off up into the mountains to be with the lollipop queen. This bit is like Frozen, said the little girl in the front row. The running up into the mountains. Ironically, that's the least believable bit in the whole story, said Nanny Piggins. No one runs up a mountain. You trudge unhappily or get a cable car or, better yet, stay in a nice warm cafe at the bottom of the mountain, sipping hot chocolate. But why was the lollipop queen on top of a mountain in the first place, asked Samantha. I don't know, said Nanny Piggins. For dramatic purposes, I suppose. If she just lived in a shed around the corner, it wouldn't have made for a very dramatic journey, would it? No, it's a fairy tale, so of course there has to be a lot of trudging and meeting lots of talking animals and strangely wise woodland creatures and kind, generous farmers' wives along the way, blah, blah, blah. So after all that, finally Annabelle arrives at the Lollipop Queen's castle, built on top of the highest mountain, in complete disregard for the safety of others. At the castle doors, two enormous chocolate bunnies stood guard in the entrance, refusing to let anybody in. But it just so happened that the kind farmer's wife Annabelle had met along the way had given her a thermos full of hot milk. Annabelle had thought this was an extremely odd gift, but now that she was confronted by two violent chocolate Easter treats, it gave her an idea. She took out the hot milk and threw it on the chocolate bunnies. They melted into the milk, making hot chocolate, which was delicious and really cheered Annabelle up. Then Annabelle went inside. The lollipop queen was sitting on her throne, made entirely out of candy canes, and Peter was on the ground, writing something on the floor. What are you doing? asked Annabelle. Peter ignored her. He is doing a spelling test, <laughs> laughed the queen. Annabelle gasped. Oh, but that's so cruel. I can make anyone do anything, boasted the lollipop queen. Once they are under the power of my lollipop. Oh, poor Peter, said Annabelle. I know that getting a piece of lollipop in your eye has somehow, in defiance of common sense and all medical science, transformed you into a horrible boy. But to be forced to endure a spelling test is too terrible to believe. So Annabelle ran forward, clutched Peter in a hug and wept. But it just so happened that one of her tears hit Peter in his eye, where the lollipop had gone in. It passed through his bloodstream, down into his heart, where the shard of lollipop was lodged, and the tear melted it, instantly curing Peter. Which was good, but also dreadfully unhygienic, and why you should always carry a handkerchief. So they all lived happily ever after. The end. Time for bed. But we're in the library, said Michael. 
Oh, so we are, said Nanny Piggins. You'd better not fall asleep here. Someone might stick a barcode on you and think you're a library book. I know. Let's all pretend to be pirates. The tea room is an enemy ship, and we're going to raid it for chocolate biscuits. Bonus points to anyone who gets the head librarian to walk the plank. Let's go. The end. Thank you for listening to support this podcast just by a book by me, R.A. Spratt. There's lots to choose from from across the Nanny Piggins, Friday Barnes and Pesky Kids series. And now there's the book Shockingly Good Stories, which is based on this podcast. You can order any of these things through your local bookstore or go to my website, raspratt.com, and click on the book depository banner. They have all my titles and free international shipping. That's it for now. Until next time, goodbye.